In episode 491 with conscious parenting expert Lou Harvey Zara, we talk about the power of routines for children, the keys to happy, healthy children, why you want to celebrate rituals like Christmas and the Tooth Fairy, what is creative discipline and how that's different from common discipline, plus so much more. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, Open Wide and Comparisonitis. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Hey, beautiful, and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited that you're here because I love this topic. You guys know me. I love all things conscious parenting and learning how to be a better parent. And today on the show, I have Lou Harvey Zara, who is a trained primary special needs and Rudolf Steiner teacher with 25 plus years experience. She is the author of seven books, including the popular Happy Child, Happy Home, Conscious Parenting and Creative Discipline, which have been translated into multiple languages. Creative Discipline Connected Families, Growing Children, Thriving Children and the Connected Family Handbook are just some of her incredible books. Now, she presents worldwide, sharing inspiring, practical, and easy tips to parents for happy and harmonious homes. And you can check out all of her incredible work online. She is such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to all things conscious parenting. And for everything that we mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 491. Now, let's dive in. beautiful Lou. I am so excited about this conversation. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? What I had for breakfast? How interesting. I had banana smoothie with fresh banana, frozen banana, oat milk, protein powder, cinnamon, and then like a blissy type ball. Yum. And then I had dandy tea. I'm actually addicted to pure dandelion tea with almond milk. That's my actual addiction. I haven't actually done caffeine in like 30 years. That's just me. Yum. If I've had my dandy tea, everything's good for the day. Oh, so beautiful. And I need another one at four (laughs) o'clock. I love it. I love it. I'm so excited to have you here for a very personal reason, but also uh, to share your wisdom and your knowledge with my audience. But before we dive in, can you tell us your story? You have two beautiful kids. Tell us how old they are and how you got into the work that you now do. Like, where did this all start for you? Can you take us back to the beginning? Yes. So you just met my daughter. So I have a 21-year-old daughter called Jess and a 23-year-old son called Jason. And to me, it's an absolute honor to witness the whole parenting journey 
out like the toddler, the young child, the middle childhood where you build your family tribe strongly, the teenage years where you have to hold on sometimes. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you get to know their friends and you connect in a new way and then they turn around and then they choose to live with you. And to me, my heart just wants to explode in that moment when they choose to live with you, yeah, as adult children uh, for this period. And it's fun, yeah, and dinner time is 6 o'clock and everyone's there and it's like going out to dinner seven times a week because, you know, you say what's the news, what's goss, what's happening. So I'm very, very passionate about parenting in childhood. I'm not saying it's easy. But I am saying it's worth it and I am saying it's actually small things, small things that make big things. And if you hear me, I'm always talking about understanding the world at different ages so that we know how to connect and how they thrive. And when we rebuild our bridge a lot, when we might not get it right, but we go in and we give a look, which just says, I love you, I accept you, I'm going to own my stuff here too, let's talk this out you know, you end up with profound relationships that you can be real with and you can connect with, with them as adults. So we can go through lots of practical tips here. All I'm saying is having adult children is a blessing, as is having children of any age. And they help you with your computer too. <laughs> and I love dinner times, love it. Mm, so beautiful. I do too, and I've got a 19-month-old. That's and right. And there's there's communication, but like I, I think about the times where she in the future is going to be having full-blown conversations with us and I'm just, oh, my heart melts. So I'm very excited for that one day. But how did you get into this work? How did you find Rudolf Steiner? How long have you been doing this work? Take us back. Thank you. I, I've only ever worked with children, so it's been an honour. So I trained as a teacher in England I'm 55 now, so we have to work that out, you know, 32 years. And so it's been an honour for me that I've spent most of my life with children because that's what I've worked. So I actually started as a special needs teacher and I worked in a London school for children with medical and physical disabilities. And I was only in my 20s, but it's actually where I first physically, first felt the human spirit. Now, to be honest with you, you know, when I was with these children that couldn't even communicate with me, but I actually knew they were absorbing and taking in everything and really it didn't matter how I was to them. It didn't matter how much I cared about them. It didn't matter that I loved them, yeah, and they felt it. And so I worked there for three years. And one of the amazing things is I worked with a boy called Nicholas. No one else really wanted Nicholas. <laughs> And he'd been to three schools by the time he was eight. And his mum couldn't even put the hoover on in case the phone rang to say you got to pick him up. But I really it's about building relationships when you work with human beings. Full stop. And uh, he Facebook friended me and he sends me messages as a 35-year-old man saying, I miss you. And to me that is profound in a sense because, you know, when you touch another human being, yeah, when you accept another white person, when you say, I'm enjoying my day with you, whether you're a teacher or whether you're a parent, you don't understand what effect that has, you know, 
on on that person. But anyway, then I taught children with autism and Asperger's, and that's where I first met behavior and understood there was a reason behind it, that there was a motive behind behavior and that we need to look to see that and teach solutions. And then I walked into a Steiner school and I actually jumped ship. But I was quite high up in autism and Asperger's and I spoke at the World Autism Conference. I created a Saturday club for children with autism and Asperger's. It still runs today with the government. But for me, when I walked into a Rudolf Steiner school, I felt like I was breathing. I just felt like I was aligned and in tune to the philosophy. And people are drawn to Rudolf Steiner for many reasons. It just spoke to me. And I trained as a Rudolf Steiner teacher. And I helped to found a school that's got a Steiner stream throughout the government school. And and now I write a lot of books, (laughs) seven books. Five with the main Steiner publishers worldwide. So I do get to travel and talk to a lot of parents and teachers. And, and I just, it just, Rudolf Steiner didn't want it to be separate. So I talk in libraries. I talk to Chinese men's groups. I mean, my message is the same. It's not for a certain group of people. You know, my message is what is important to a life of a child? Because we're forgetting. You know, how do we connect at different ages? Yeah. What does their world look like? How do we bring in a value of looking after ourselves and each other and our things around us at different ages? What do children need from us? I like to ponder that and I like to give really practical, simple ideas that are free and cost nothing and everyone can do. And so I like to make parents feel I can do that, not this is hard. And you do that very well. I met my husband and we got together in 2013 and I knew that I wanted to one day have babies with him and I became obsessed in 2013 with learning about conscious parenting and now since having my daughter that's amped up even more like I love learning about it and I will forever be learning which is amazing and I love your work and I've done your toddler course and I've read your books and I've followed you online. I've done some of your webinars. And for me, you're a big parenting inspiration. So I want to thank you. And I'm currently reading one of your books, Creative Discipline, which I love. And I think, you know, you mentioned this before, like there's all different ages and they're going to grow and we've got to grow with them and we've got to adapt with them. We've got to learn with them. We've got to then learn how to parent a teenager and then a young adult. And it's like, we're growing and learning with them. You don't just have a child and not grow anymore. So like I said, I'm currently reading Creative Discipline, which I love. Talk to us about what is creative discipline? Because most people will have heard of discipline, but what is creative discipline? I know. Well, I actually looked up what does discipline mean while I was waiting to come online. Because I often say that if you ask most people what discipline means, they will say it means to punish. Yeah, that's what they will say. And it actually says that online. Hilariously, it still says to punish. But if you look at the core meaning of discipline, it stems from the word disciple. So we have a root word, a Latin word, which is always fun to consider. So it actually means to teach and to care. Now, a lot of people don't want to discipline. They think it's the old-fashioned authoritarian style reward or punishment. 
but it actually means to love, to care, to hold, to instill a caring attitude of looking after, you know, of putting a boundary out to look after yourself and give yourself super fuel like a racing car in your tummy or to look after the toys because nanny bought them, yeah, or, yeah, to look after each other because we're family. So we all need, you know, if you were saying that someone was really disciplined, it can be a positive thing if you were working on meditation or you were working on, yeah, <laughs> yes, a practice. So often people say don't, don't write the word discipline because people don't like it. But, but when I hear it, I hear it as I'm holding that child, I'm loving that child, and I'm not looking at it as punishing at all. I'm looking at it as what we call understanding the behaviour. Is there a need that I need to address with this behaviour? And so I'll always look at that, like, is there a need? Do they need connection? Do they need play? Do they need movement? Do they need rest? Do they need sleep? Or what value are we needing to bring more of and give solutions for? And it usually is whether a toddler or a teen looking after. Yeah, <laughs> it's what it is. So let's go back and let's role model looking after the cat. Let's go back and get a timer and show how we can take turns. Yeah, that it's um, so creative discipline really is if we look at uh, psychologists they talk about these parenting styles and they talk about authoritarian and they just use rewards and punishments and they have a lot of control but no warmth to the child when they're transforming the behavior on the other extreme you're permissive you give all warmth but you don't give a boundary you don't you know say oh let's look after that to a toddler let's put that up high and i'll come and throw the ball in the basket Let's look after that veggie marger. Let's come and bang your wooden spoon on a saucepan, yeah? Let's look after that sofa. Come outside and we'll, we'll jump off the wall. Call me over, yeah? Like we can, we can always teach the solutions, yeah? And so we want the child in the long run to self-regulate because they understand how to treat animals to each other. So it's actually such a precious gift to work with them. And it feels actually nice, yeah, to, to bring in a, a loving energy and to guide children in how to live in the world, yeah, and with each other. But it's, it's so multi-layered. We could do this for a long time. You know, the first thing is to understand the toddler's brain, that they need to move and explore and touch, yeah, and be connected to you. So a lot of people think it's behavior and it's just a, the child's just being their age with their need so the world that we can surround them with the play the connections the rest this is going to have a profound effect on how their life is how their life is with you so I, my work really is going through each age and when we have common situations like a toddler tantrum you know, I can really demystify that and find out the root and uh, replace that need or or, or teach you know uh, look after and show where they can do their behavior or maybe it's bedtime if they're a young child or eating healthily like there's so many games we can do there's so much words and redirecting we can do uh, in all these moments even how we talk to a, a teen so there's creative ways <laughs> there are creative ways to bringing your family values and making sure you're holding them and the child feels guided and cared for and doesn't just feel that they're innately wrong for being who they are, playful or noisy or 
Madiur, yeah. So have that kind of you understand that in a nutshell. So there's creative ways of holding your family into taking care of and looking after. Yes. Talk to us about tantrums. So when there is a tantrum, there is something going on underneath. Yes. In the moment, you also talk about redirecting. So talk to us about what redirecting is and how you would deal with a situation when a child is having a tantrum. It's really interesting to keep a little diary or make a mental note what happened before. You know, people don't just breathe sometimes. They see it as a communication or a story or a picture. So I will guarantee you the reasons behind tantrums, all right? Now, you tell me if there's a new one because you're perfect. You've got a 19-month-old. I've got a two-year-old niece who will be over this afternoon. I'm with her three or four times a week, so I have a lot of toddler in my world. But I'll tell you they could be tired and overstimulated and they will have a meltdown at the drop of a hat. And we are the adult. We're the parent. We we don't ask all these questions. We don't say, do you want to rest? Do you want to bed? Of course they're just going to say no. We have to hold the rhythm to check that their face is vital. They've got a good rosiness about it and a rosiness here, yeah? So we need to make sure that they have some good vitality and resting because if they're overtired, they are just going to have meltdowns. So you've got to look at that. You've got to look if it's disconnection from you. So our busyness, our world, our looking at technology, are losing some time in them, you know, they will be looking for that connection and love. You've got to double check. They can be frustrated because they're in an I can stage, yeah? So I can put my shoe on. I can put my hand through. And so sometimes they just get really frustrated that they're half doing a task, yeah? So have a look. Yeah, are they tired? Are they disconnected? Are they actually trying to do something and frustrated? Or majority of times we come in and we say, don't touch that, stop doing that, stop moving that. Or we've actually hemmed them into a car seat or a, or a change table. Do we understand? So there's three things in the toddler brain. They need to, to be moving their body at all times to join the neurons. So if we actually mean that you can't move, then they can't verbalise to you. <laughs> That's feeling really uncomfortable for them. Or they have to touch objects to understand them and explore them and they don't play. When they touch it, they want to have a power of moving it in and out or tapping it or making sound or rolling it. And we come in and tell them they can't touch or or be with that. And so that, that's when you'll see the tantrum, yeah? Now, I can guarantee you if you've got good rhythms of connection and connecting with your toddler means that you have little games you play when you wake up you know, you butterfly kiss them or when you get them dressed, the snake comes out of the hole. So they feel happy, a little giggly, a little connected to you in their daily rhythms. Not all the time, just but when, you know, when you're together, you have these routines that their play is really near you and they can access movement and push and pull and in and out. On a bunny wrap with their baskets in a cupboard near you, even if you're in the shower, they have something there on the floor so that they're not disconnected, yeah? And that what they can touch, they can touch. So lock cupboards, you know, shut, shut off an area, put things up high. Don't just keep repeating that you can't touch and go there. And if they do explore somewhere that they can't, then teach them look after. Say, look after, look after that. Come and bang the saucepans with the spoon and spoons. Look after that. 
yeah, look after this. You come and take out your bag or the things that you've got in there. Do you understand? And so they don't just go, oh, I'm being stopped, yeah, I'm upset. Toddlers have no logical thinking at all. They think that when you do this, you've gone away and you've come back. They don't understand nappy, poo, change. So if you find that they're squalling or wiggling away from the change table, then we've got to find a like a fun hand puppet or a nappy toy that they're waiting to see and hold. Change nappies on their toy nappy. So the world we give around our toddler makes a huge difference to their daily moods, yeah? And when Poppy walks in, she'll walk in this afternoon, I'll say, Poppy, I'm so excited to see her. And then she goes and feeds the cat. She has a little routine and the dog, little nutties. She checks the washing machine to see if there's anything to put in or pull out and help me put it into piles. And she comes in the kitchen and plays in her little play kitchen and makes eggs. And it's just uh, it's just phenomenal that the routine that she has when she walks into my house, which is very similar every time she comes in. So cute. And she is able to be a toddler. She's able to move and put things in and out and push things and hold things just along with me. And if I need to put a boundary around her, then I'll, I'll show her, oh, let's care for that, and then I'll demonstrate how she should do it, yeah, uh, and demonstrate. And if she hasn't got it because she's a toddler, then I'll quietly just put it up high and take her into something else. But usually you can. Usually you can um, find avenues for them to be able to move and and have their effect over all the objects they want to touch, yeah, and make them giggle a little bit. Things. Even telling her that the snake's coming out of the hole when she gets dressed, I go, and she gets like this, she puts her little hand, yeah. <laughs> I think we're, we're, we're going too much in our heads, you know. We're, yes, it's great to read things and I try and be really practical, but we're kind of very adult in our heads and sometimes we just have to sink into being in the present moment and really open our eyes and watch what the world is like, yeah, for our children and our toddlers and what's really happening for them, yeah. And we created discipline to go back to that question is that we can transform moments while being connected. We can transform moments while we have warmth, yeah. Uh, that then people don't put the two together. Yeah. And do that. Yeah, it's beautiful. You've spoken about rhythms. So talk to us about the importance of a daily rhythm. And is this something that you feel benefits a child all the way to their adulthood? Or is there a point where you can kind of let it go and you are a bit more flexible and in flow? Talk to us about rhythms and the importance and how we can create them. This is my absolute passion, all right? So even as adults, we still have rhythms, don't we? I'll have my cup of tea at 4 o'clock and I've just started to not multitask with my cup of tea. I just want to drop this one in, all right? Just do have a cup of tea and don't multitask. Don't even look at your phone. Don't do anything. Just sit and drink the cup of tea (laughs) and enjoy it. It'll be a profound moment for you, yeah? Like sometimes we have to sink into parenting and create space just to observe our children. But anyway, I want you to observe your children because there's times of the day which every human being has to do on the whole planet. Like we all wake up, yeah? we all eat, yeah? we all go to bed, 
We all have a rest. And we put in our little family connection games during these what I call ordinary moments to make them extraordinary. This is when we create really strong rhythms and connection. There was a study on a, on a village, I think it was in Japan, and they all lived to be over 100. Yeah? And they studied to see, well, was it food? Was it exercise? And yeah, they were moderate with that. But they had a very strong sense of belonging in the village and no one suffered from loneliness. And they all lived over 100. So people forget that we have three fundamental human needs. They always forget the third one, the shelter and the food are obvious, but people don't realize that belonging is a human need, yes, <laughs> and we thrive when we belong, yeah, and we get busy and we're like, oh, let's get out the door and we get grumpy. And for children, they don't live on our time frame. So what I mean by this is they don't live in this continuum of going to the future and the past and trying to be in the present, yeah. They just live in the now, which is why kind of Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is through children because a lot of things that children do in a sense, yeah, we could read the book Living in the Now a hundred times. We're not going to get back right in the now all the time, yeah. Uh, but they are in the now, okay, and they don't really understand time. This happens after nine. So their safety, their trust, their predictability, their connection is how you fill their love tank in the morning before the day starts. It is how you light a candle and you thank the farmer that planted the carrots that is on our plate. Their time and their love and their connection and their stability is that little song you sing to them about all the people that love them in the world while you stroke their head. And so when we do routines and rhythms, we have to look at our children and if they giggle or they say more or they push their body into you, that's your routine. And you don't just forget about it and do it next Friday and then forget about it and do it a month later. You do it on these ordinary moments that become extraordinary. Yeah? So so when they wake up, you know, you might choose to say, I'm going to fill you with love for the whole day and I'm filling you right up with your love tank, right up. Just think of them and give them a big squeeze. Well, you do that each morning. Yeah? You do it each morning or you go, oh, I'm going to wake up your, your cheek with butterflies. You do that each morning and they anticipate it. And, they, and the fact that you do it creates this wonderful feeling of anticipation, connection, trust, love, stability. As you said, you enjoy having meals with your child. You can do hands together, hands apart, hands together, hands apart, and then you just hold hands with them, yeah? And you have a little thank you game when they're young. There's the fact that you do that when you sit and eat with them, that they go, oh, here I am. We're together. We belong. It's here. Yeah. Uh, it's really interesting. I had a friend who had teenage stepchildren and they all did this little om together with her daughter because she did yoga and meditation. And the teenagers came over from England and they giggled and they snorted and they laughed and she thought, I'm not just going to do this because it's embarrassing them. The next day, the 15-year-old said, aren't we going to om? You know, you have to actually realise what it creates. I was with a doctor in LA who said that he didn't have any time with his children because he took them to school but didn't get into right on that bedtime and he couldn't be a good parent. And I said, that's rubbish. <laughs> of course you can. You're going to go to the car and you're going to pass a basketball hoop 
when you take your nine and a half year old to school. So you're going to go, buddy, let's do three shots each before we get in the car. But you're going to do it every morning and it's going to count more than these people that have all the time, yeah? Because it's reliable, it's predictable, yeah? You're there. And your three and a half year old, you're going to start taking her to bed like an aeroplane, you know, to back to the airport. Come on, hop on board. The airplane's going to take you to the airport, yeah? You might do the teethy towels, which is a little story about each tooth. This tooth at porridge, this tooth helped mummy make the biscuits for nanny, this tooth, yeah, play with the blocks. And then you're going to put them to bed and it's going to make all the difference. And I saw him in a year and it had made so much difference. We're talking 60 seconds, but we're talking, it's trust. And as you, you know, when you read my books, you know that children are not little adults. And so they want a bit of fun. They want a bit of wonder. They want a bit of imagination. And when we have a little game for greeting, do noses, wake their body up with the sun waking it up, you know, do feel your love tank. I have profound things told to me about feel your love tank. I've had nine-year-olds say my love tank's half full, so they're verbalising. I've had seven-year-olds saying, how's your love tank, mum? I've had four-and-a-half-year-olds saying it's overflowing, I'll go and give the love to baby. You know, I've had people say it does take three seconds. I've had people that literally will go, come on, family, let's fill our family love tank before we all go out today. Come on, family, and everyone gets together and the dog and you give yourself a big family squeeze before you go out for the day and make sure everyone's filled up with love. I love that. This is priceless. Mm. And like you said, it's a couple of minutes of very intentional presence, not while you're scrolling social media. It's just being present with them for a couple of minutes. That's all they need. We love that you're listening to us, but you need a basket with your phones and your iPads and they are not there when your child looks at you in the morning because your child will want to connect. They're not there in mealtimes and they're not there at bedtime. And they're not there when you throw a sheep over the dining room table and snuggle with some books to open a library and rest in the afternoon, yeah? And bedtime is a profound. If you get the morning and the bedtime loving, that the day feels the right way up, yeah? So whatever you choose to do. In my family, it was just thinking all the people that love them, mummy loves you, yes, she does, daddy. And doing this, doing this little motion down the nose, doing this, doesn't cost you anything doing this, seeing all the people that love them and wait for this. That out breath means I'm contented, I'm loved, I'm safe. Yes, that's what it means. Mm, so beautiful. And so we need 20 minutes of a bit of loving. You know, whatever it is, you'll, you know, let's look for the moon and say goodnight to the moon, you know. Uh, but the fact is that it's the same. It will be the same for five years. (laughs) It will be the same. And then they'll do it with their own children. You know, my daughter's holding a new puppy last night. She's singing and humming the same song to the puppy that was sung to her as a child. It's in their DNA. So sweet. This is important to a life of a child. And then you need to understand because when they don't want to be touched anymore, you need to go in and you need to whisper. Really like your company when we cook dinner together tonight. Really glad you're my child. Yeah, we need to find those moments. And now as teenagers, you know, dinner is always together. It's always chatting. 
weekend breakfasts are always big <laughs> around 11 o'clock. There's so much I can talk to you about it. I'll just end with I was reading the book by Lily Allen, who's the English pop singer, yeah, and her first chapter is her childhood and I wanted to find out because she did get addicted to many things, alcohol, drugs, she had a lot of eating disorders. And her first chapter was that her parents were a film producer and a comedian and they thought that it was creative to be free reign, to just just not have any. You know, holding is creative discipline and holding looking after and holding is having these rhythms and routines where everyone joins and, and feels a sense of love and connection. And so she said, I had no routines and rhythms at all because they felt those to be boring. And she said by nine she felt she had a heartbeat and a, and a skeleton but no skin held her together. So she, she verbalised it, if you read it. And then she said that um, her stepdad took her to six cooking classes when she was about, I can't remember what it was, maybe it was about 11 or 12. And after each cooking class they went to the same cafe for six weeks. It's our only real really positive memory of her childhood because it was the only thing that was actually put rhythmically, yeah. And then she said at 14 she had a television in her room and she turned it on every morning so she could rely on the presenter being there for her, that she could trust that they would be there smiling. And I was like, this is, you know, this is why I do what I do. This is what I do what I do. And if I write any books, Happy Child, Happy Home, when they're toddler to seven, first chapters, rhythm. Growing Children, Thriving Children, 7 to 12-year-olds, first chapter's rhythm. Why write a teenage book? First chapter. <laughs> yeah. Yes. How we greet. I love it. How we have a meal. How we have days of the week, Pancake Sunday. If you just have Pancake Sunday, your family will feel like it belongs. We've got to make tribes. We have Pancake Sunday. It's the best. Uh, I love I love this so much. And I think about myself now as an adult. Like, I love rhythms. I thrive. I thrive off rhythms. And we have created so many beautiful rhythms in our family and I just love them. And I can see that she she knows what's coming next. She feels safe. She she walks to the fridge at this time. She knows she's gonna get her organic blueberries at morning tea. Like she knows these things and it's so beautiful to watch. I'm going goosebumps because I know you're going to be fine. And if people go, well, what's the magic wand that your teenagers or your adult children are having dinner? What's the magic wand that that we're communicating and chatting? It's not a magic wand. It's an investment. It's an investment when you do these family little routines and rhythms that are enjoyable for them and enjoyable for you. And they end up with communication in them. They end up with love in them. That's what they are and that's what happens and they go into the world with an inner sense of security and inner sense of stability. So it's not like the whole world's falling down and we have to do it, you know, (laughs) because we all have to go to bed and we all have to wake up and we all have to eat. So we're all going to be doing those things, aren't we? Uh, And so you can easily put in a little game. Even when they're older, please say, I love you and squeeze their hand three times. Because you'll find they'll go, I love you so much, you know, I love you forever. And then you can literally squeeze three times, yeah? You can tap three times. They know exactly what you're saying, exactly what you're saying. And I think we just have to have these breathing spaces in our busy lives where we sink into the now ourselves, yeah, and feel warmth in our heart ourselves. 
uh, and share that with our children in in a playful way when they're younger. Yeah, absolutely. One of the many things that I love about the Steiner philosophy is the emphasis on magic and imagination, play and wonder, especially up to that age of seven. Why is it so important that we keep them in that dreamy world until seven? Well, it's actually till nine that they do something called the crossing where they come into middle childhood. But I think we just have to look at, don't look at children as little adults ever, yeah, because their world is so different. Not only are they down really low, if you want to spend a bit of time down that low, you'll realise what the world looks like. But it's really that their brain is completely different to us. And so I I do talk about that it's seven-year-olds believe in the tooth fairy. You know, they're seven. So they believe in wonder, in magic. You know, they, they like birthday cake. It's a cake. They can have a nice banana cake this afternoon. It's the candles on the cake. They're magical to them that they're like, and then they blow out. You go outside and you see a snail. That's in, incredible to them. Yeah, so actually observe your child, yeah, how they see the world, how they naturally what I call wear rose-colored glasses. Now, we live on planet Earth, and planet Earth has a duality, okay? We have to remind ourselves that we've come and chosen to live on a, on a planet with a duality. There might be planets without a duality we'll visit another time, but it has a duality. It has good and bad, yeah? And, and it's hard sometimes. Your children don't live in that duality. You have to realize that. They believe that a man with a white beard and reindeers can, can, reindeers can fly. That's logical to them. Of course they're going to come down that chimney. That's logical, even if you don't have a chimney. And we're robbing children. We're robbing children of their natural disposition of wonder, you know, of magic, of joy in these moments by kind of Googling and giving them very long explanations or, you know, treating them like little adults. But when they have strong routines and rhythms, they go into the world with a sense of security. And when they have a life with wonder, yeah, and I'll tell you because it's easy again, it's not hard, they actually go out into the world still with wonder. They'll walk down with their boyfriend to watch the sunset. They'll send you photos of rainbows. <laughs> yeah. They will collect plants. They will have salt lamps in their rooms. Yeah, they, they still, we all need some wonder, don't we? <laughs> we all need some, some routines and rhythms. It will make you feel, you know, a lot more purposeful as a parent that you've got them and you're connecting and, and when you share some wonder with children, your eyes will open up. Your eyes will go, look at the wattle. <laughs> look at that, you know. So share it with them. But what is wonder? Wonder is imagination little games, yeah. That, that's little bits of wonder, isn't it? Wonder is, you know, if you join them and you bake a cake, you know, and then people eat it, that's wonder. So if you're in a garden, you put a little bulb to bed. Yeah, so what we actually include them in. Wonder can be a little bit of craft. I, I wrote a book really and it's really about making sure children have wonder. This is 300 ideas. <laughs> but the ideas are your connection, your nature, your bedtime tip, your play tip, your stories, 
your little finger rhymes, they're wonder. We've lost this and we're not passing it down, so we need to have a little resource guide for it. Because, in fact, when you bounced a child on your knee and did row, row, row the boat gently down the stream, woo, you're giving a bit of wonder with that rhyme, with that song, with that verse, with that imagination. Yes? Yeah? If they're a bit older and you have a family theme and you tell a dog a story about a dog called Bingo and he, you tell stories on long walks or car journeys, that's wonder with the imagination. Yeah? If they're growing up and you do birthdays and you write a little treasure hunt where they've got to follow little clues around and their presents are hidden, that's wonder. So, you know, a little bit of singing, a little bit of rhyme, a little bit of storytelling, a little bit of craft that's really simple. You know, if they want to make a bird feeder at winter to feed the birds and they cover a bit of wood or pine kernel in honey or peanut butter if they're not allergic to and they roll it and they watch out the window and a bird feeds off it. When they experience a, a just a feeling of laughter or joy or wonder, you know, this, this, this is what their childhood memories end up being stuck with. They stuck there with glue, with the memory. The thing is, the next winter they want to make the bird feeder. The next winter they want to make the bird finger. We're in this really, this world where we're like, got to give them more, got to do this, got to do that. What do you want to do It's not about that. <laughs> yeah. It's not about that. If when you go for a walk each day, you look for some flowers and you just choose one to pick and you bring it back and you put it in one little special vase and one on the dinner table, that's wonder. That's wonder. Yeah? Yeah. It's so beautiful. There's so many little different things that we can do that can really bring that wonder and play and imagination into their everyday life. They're so simple. And if you chop up fruit and veg for afternoon tea and you get what we call little crocodile tongs, which are half tongs, and you go, stop, 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 what's a crocodile eating? That's wonder. <laughs> if you take that plate and you decide to make carrot hair and cucumber ears and a banana mouse, that's really wonder. Now, the thing is, you don't go, Lou, I'm so exhausted and I don't want to play these games and I don't want to think. The same thing. The same little happy fruit and veg plate, five years. If you go thank you to the raindrops and for our water, thank you, raindrops. Have your water and you go ching, ching together at the end, ching, ching. <laughs> That's it. You do it when you drink water. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a lot, but you find yours. You find yours that's your family with your child. Yes, I love that. In these little rhythms and routines. I mean, I could talk about wonder all day. And wonder and rhythm are really kind of connected together, aren't they? And believe it or not, creative discipline is also bringing wonder and rhythms and games. If you say to a child, I'm lighting a space rocket, I'm lighting you up, I'm firing one engine, I'm firing the other engine, light me up, three, two, one, shoot to the launch pad, shoot, three, two, one. They'll move really quickly to the launch pad, to the car. So you can get out the house quick and you're having a bit of wonder why you do it. <laughs> and you can play the game for five years. Come on. Three, two, one, setting our engines alight. Yeah. Let's move like a really fast cheetah. Putting your cheetah feet on, my cheetah feet on. Are we ready? Cheetahs. Cheetahs. Go. Yes. <laughs> People actually don't realize that. It's so fun for us too. Like we 
as adults can be so serious and take things so seriously. Work, we can get so focused, which is amazing. And like, let's bring some more play and joy and fun and imagination and wonder into our own life by getting down on their level and doing these fun little games. It's one of the things that I have loved so much since having my daughter, the amount of play that I do down on her level, rolling around in the sand, just being silly. It's, it's the best. And it's so good for my mental health as well. So you know, we can get down and we can do all of these things and there's no rules, just play and have fun and sing and do whatever feels right for you. But, you know, we spoke a little bit before about Christmas and, you know, there's a couple of people that have asked me, what am I going to do about Christmas for Bambi? Am I going to tell her about Santa? Like a lot of people said, I don't want to lie to my child about Santa. I don't want to lie about the tooth fairy. I'd love to hear your perspective and what are the Steiner beliefs around Christmas and the tooth fairy and things like that. Because I personally don't subscribe to the commercialization of Christmas. Like that does not resonate with me. But what are the Steiner beliefs around Christmas and the tooth fairy? And do you think that we should, quote unquote, be lying to them? (laughs) Well, I don't know if there's any particular beliefs. There's more what Rudolf Steiner saw children yeah that he saw uh their world yeah and so that's why we're talking about toddlers that's why we're talking about children to nine having these three gifts yeah which is being present and 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 uh having imagination which is phenomenal like their imagination is phenomenal so when they take a, a block and they pretend it's a telephone, it's not a block pretending to be a telephone. It's a telephone. If they're playing being a dog, they're not a person playing being a dog. They are a dog, right? And they also have this wonder at life, yeah? And actually when we look at Christmas, we're giving all of those three elements. It's a once-a-year thing, yeah, and uh, so it's rhythmical and it's also very imaginative and it really has a lot of wonder. So I firmly believe that we need to do Christmas and it's really a stage and we're not lying because we're celebrating St. Nicholas, yeah, if we want to look at history. And what we're actually celebrating, which people have twisted around like you have to be good for him to come, that's not in any way true. It's actually that we're celebrating childhood. We're celebrating how incredible it is, this world with these three gifts. So, you know, I have children that work in the top four companies of the world, yeah? (laughs) They are highly successful business people. Did they have, did they put oats on the roof? Once a year, were they allowed to climb on the roof for once? And now at the time, did they climb a ladder onto the roof? Once a year, did they put oats and carrot down? Yeah. Did I leave little bells there once I kind of took it around? And And then they went, yeah, I heard the sleigh. Yes, yes, of course, because they're not a business person when they're five. <laughs> they're that when they're 25, yeah, and they still carry wonder into the world, into adults, yeah. For me, it's about routines and family traditions, okay, because we're back to what we talked about. So whatever you want to start, you start. You know, if you, we don't really have Christmas cards anymore, but if you would always make tags, you know, of recycling the cards that anyone's been given in the year, 
You always sit down and you do that. If you always make some biscuits and you just put little pretzel on the head for antlers and a little dried strawberry for the nose and currants and you take them to nanny as reindeer biscuits and then you do it in the next year, that's your family tradition. You only need two or three, but that's your glue, yeah? That's your wonder, yeah? So Poppy's coming over. We'll do reindeer biscuits this afternoon. She'll give them out to all the people that look after her in her beautiful style of childcare. And I said, have you got any old paintings? Please bring them because we'll draw around Christmas tree stencils and we'll, we'll cut them out. And we help a lot when they're younger and they start doing it more and we'll make some little cards to go around with a little basket, yeah? Um, but you, it's not like you've got to think of anything new next year because they want to do the reindeer biscuits again, <laughs> yes? If you want to know the Steiner worlds on Advent, so do something very beautiful about the four Sundays. Now, you know, I'm not, I didn't come from a, a religious background. I never went to church. I was taught, you know, what it was to be a good person uh, in life. But the story of Jesus is very archetypal. It's got, like he was born in a manger, in a stable with animals visited by three shepherds, three kings. This is like the three bears. There's so many archetypal, very child wonder pictures with a big star that shone there, yeah? So we don't need to know the life of Jesus. You know, We don't need to know what happened or anything about the crucifixion, but the actually birth of a good man that loved people and was very kind and really helpful, yeah? And the donkey, you know? Um, so we can do Advent that leads up to this story or we can do Advent and not do the story. We can really choose. But for the four Sundays before Christmas, traditionally we thank the four kingdoms of earth. Now this will really bring magic and wonder to the children. So what happens is you just put out four candles and you can go to Ikea and get tea light jars <laughs> tea lights it really doesn't matter you can spend a lot of money you can spend not a lot of money you can make your holders put the four candles on it Poof. if you're going to do the story of jesus you might have a barn there but if not you have the four candles and the fourth sunday which was yesterday you light the first candle and you thank the minerals and the rocks and the crystals on the planet so you go for a walk and you collect some pebbles or you go around the house and you find some crystals you might put a crystal each day, so there's seven. But we're actually thanking the mineral world around us. We've got it in our bodies. We've got teeth and bones. Or we might like the sand at the beach or the, the mountain made of rocks. But in our hearts, we're thanking, yeah, the mineral kingdom. And now they're very young. They might just collect and gather because it's nature. When they're older, you might tell a story each night that has a theme of, of minerals, yeah. Uh, and there's a book of the light in the lantern that does this. And then the next Sunday, which will be this Sunday coming, we do the plant kingdom. So this is when traditionally we go and get a tree, yeah, or we have the tree because that's the plant kingdom and we've got two candles lit and we find flowers on our walks and, yeah, and we put plants there and we thank all the plants and all the plants that we eat, like spinach and, yeah, the blossoms for our fruit and it's in our world and we thank them. Sometimes we might do a little bit of craft with that too, like press some flowers for bookmarks, but we thank that. And then the third 
Sunday before Christmas, we do the animal kingdom and we thank our animals around us. It's too much to know if you do eat meat, but we're not thanking in that way. We're like thanking our cats and our dogs and what we see, yes? <laughs> and we can put little animals and toy animals there. Yeah? And then traditionally on the fourth Sunday, Mary and Joseph, if you were going to do this archetypal story, will start across the room on a donkey and in the morning the child will wake up and realise that the donkey's moved closer and they don't realise you've moved it. It's magic. Till on Christmas Eve the human kingdom come into this table and Jesus. But if you are just doing Advent, then you thank human people. You make a little wishing tree, a little gratitude tree. You make gifts that you hand out to Nanny and the lovely people and the adults and the humans in our world that we love so much. Yeah? We might make a little voucher out of our own hands saying, you're going to get a ham rub, you know, or you're going to, yeah, if you're getting older. And we just thank all the people. We might set up a Christmas table and we might put photos of loved ones who we give them a little wish, yeah, and we put their homemade little gifts out. And so we've really thanked the four kingdoms of the earth. And gratitude raises our oxytocin by 25%. And gratitude is a little wonder for children too. And all of those four elements do give uh, to wonder to children, yeah, and they're here. And it means that we get to slow down before Christmas. Yeah? And um, if we can just make a simple homemade little card, you can sign up to my newsletter, I'll give you lots of ideas. We can make lots of them to hand around to the people in our children's world. If we can simply just create something, yeah, and with tags. And that, that act of giving to someone and them saying thank you and the child made it from their hands, it's such a powerful moment, such a powerful moment uh, of connection and creativity. So Advent is more something that we do in the Steiner Awards. You know, you'll see it at school and the Four Kingdoms and it changes your life. And people go, well, you tell me it changes my life. And I'm like, really? You're just exaggerating. You do it and you open your eyes to the mineral kingdom and you open your eyes to the plant kingdom and you open your eyes to that and you open your heart to the people that are with you all year that are your family and you love and you acknowledge and you will find an expansion in your own being. <laughs> yeah, just try it. Yeah? And then we open our eyes to wonder and beauty. Yes, and, and whatever the ritual is, in my family, I got this book called The Night Before Christmas and we read it only on the night before Christmas and we left a little bookmark on a page, you know, that really was about Father Christmas, but the bookmark always changed because he'd read the book, you know, <laughs> so it was on a different page, yeah, and then you leave out your gifts because it's caring, everything's caring. When you leave out those carrots for the reindeer, when you leave out that milk, when you leave out that that biscuit you've made, you know, that you maybe made some real dough, which is a pretzel dough, and I'll show you a way to make a real dough into a Father Christmas, really simple. You know, when, you, when you've gone to bed knowing you've given to someone who's coming, yes, to receive, yeah, and there will be a time where these three gifts leave, and it's wet, something called the ninth year crossing, and I've got a whole book about it. And this is in the Star Wars, this, this book. Growing children, thriving children, raising seven to twelve year olds. And there's a time where they come into the continuum of time, they lose in that pure imagination, they can't play being a nurse all afternoon, they know they're playing being a nurse. 
and they actually know it's logically they have a more logical thought and they realize it's really not possible for reindeers to fly and visit every house on the planet and they may ask you know and or they may be told and you have to work out if they still are with the three gifts you know you'll see a profound change in them they ask to shorten their name like don't call me jesse call me jess and take the teddies out of my bedroom you'll see when this shift happens yeah from what we call the early childhood gifts to middle childhood and so you can see their stage of consciousness but when they do find out just say that it is truth because it's it's based on a man who was alive a long time ago that we call saint nicholas who adored children and childhood and really celebrated them and that you now are the keeper of Christmas yourself. So how could you surprise someone? How could you make someone feel good? Could you put a present on next door's doorstep, you know? Could you do something, yeah? It's really loving in the spirit of that. So many beautiful little ideas and rituals and, yeah, you are full of them. You are just like overflowing with little different tips and tricks and ideas. So I love that so much. And you can get more of that in your book. Uh, creative discipline as I'm reading it I'm highlighting I'm like yes I want to do that and I want to do that so I love all of your little tips and tricks and we'll link to all of your books and your programs and even your newsletter because like you said you do share so much in there but I would love to ask now if you had a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world what book would you choose? Like what book would you love every, you know, 17, 16-year-old to read? I've never thought about that. I mean, the fact is that they enjoy reading and so they're readers. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> so we, if I'm going to take that right back, all right, so if, um, you know, reading to children isn't about looking at the page, trying to work out what that sentence says. It's the fact that we read to children, yeah, and we read in the afternoon and they can breathe in and rest in their heart and their pulse rate. And in all of my books, Happy Child, Happy Home, I have the chapters that you read to four-year-olds, five-year-olds, to six-year-olds, to seven-year-olds. They make the imaginative picture. And all these books have wonder and beauty and simple tasks, yeah, and then the books we read to seven and eight and nine and ten, we read to them. They're all the classic movies, but they were a book. We have to have the book first. And then they become readers. So then they go on holiday and they take books, yeah? They get excited. They get the trilogy. They get all these things and they realize the magic and the wonder of being absorbed in this beautiful plot, yeah? So I'm telling you that we have connection through what we do in our daily little moments and you all create people that love literature through how you parent and, and reading to them and reading to these books. Yeah? I'm not sure what you meant by that question to whether, like, how, what, what, you know, everyone has to find their own, don't they? Like books and people arrive at the right time. So there's kind of not one book. It's a very personal thing. Yeah? It's more the fact that they have books in their lives <laughs> and then they love books, yeah, and then someone offers them a book or a book jumps out at them. Often people say to me, 
I just think your books need to be given out with every by the government with every baby. You know what I mean? Because I I learned that too late. And the two books for for this early childhood are a little pair. And Happy Child, Happy Home is about giving them a childhood. This is absolutely fail-proof, right? It's got checklists. It's got boxes. It doesn't tell you what not to do. There's no guilt. I know no guilt in parenting whatsoever. Just gives you all these little tips. And it's got daily rhythms, weekly rhythms, yearly rhythms. It's got play, understanding their stages of play. We don't have to sit and pretend to push a truck around for three hours. You know, we're not a child with them. We need to be playful a lot in our rhythms and we always need to invite them to do all of our things because they'll play it washing up sweeping everything we do they can come and use their helpful hands yeah and we can be playful and we can set up scenes and go in and out of the scenes but the child will end up really living into that world we're always close by like the chicken and the egg we always have that our energy on them knowing observing seeing do we need to step in we need to say, oh, clean the shop now and come out again. But it has play, it has storytelling, it has craft. And so you will get a child who has a childhood. And you, we'd have to realize what an amazing thing that is nowadays because it's under attack. It's under attack with busyness, with technology, you know, with us literally like little adults. So, and the human being, Rudolf Steiner says, what we give to a child at two, we see at 22. Do you know how profound that is? And that's really how they were able to experience that world, which might be tantrums, but how we navigate that with how I talked about, yeah? The whole end of childhood is really at 22. They'll turn around and look at us as human beings. We connected that way. And Creative Discipline Connected Family is a sequel to this book. And it literally has all the ideas of transforming behaviour. And half the book's an encyclopaedia. It's got every single issue that's ever been asked of me with ideas of how you transform that, yeah? So with these two books, you will have the foundation of the human life, yeah, <laughs> called Childhood. And as I said at the beginning, if you have routines and rhythms, you go with an inner sense of security. If you have imagination, you have something called creative thinking and solution building as adults. And if you have, uh, if you're given magical wonder little experiences it doesn't cost money you know a lot of it you carry a sense of wonder in the duality of our world and boy do we need that i've got three rapid fire questions for you now are you ready yeah what is one thing that we can do today for our health and our children's health our whole family's health slow down you know, I met once met, uh, and I haven't been asked these questions before, so I haven't even thought about them. But I once met a very profound prep teacher, so a kinder teacher, and he said, I've never met a child that needed more. I've only met children that need less. It's like stop the glorification of busy, yeah? <laughs> stop the glorification of distraction, yeah? So... If you're in your pyjamas, they're in bed and you're being bears in a cave, <laughs> snuggling together, yeah, snuggle together, yeah. If you're sitting there and you've invited the three bears or you've got a special jug and you're sharing, you know, make space for these ordinary moments to become extraordinary, you know. Just make a bit of space for it. 
Maybe we're, it's summer now. Can we lie on a blanket and look at clouds and see the pictures we can find in them? Listen for their outbreath and listen for yours and join it together. Because that, you know, cells rejuvenate in our bodies. Rudolf Steiner, I'm going to be quick because it was quick, but we got this physical body. This is our physical body. He was a spiritual clairvoyant, right? So he saw all the bodies of us. This is our physical body. Around our physical body, we have what he called an etheric body, all right? I call it a vitality body. I call it a health body. You could call it primary. You could call it tree. It's your health body around that. Around that, we've got our emotional body, yeah? And then we've got our soul, our eye. But people don't look after the etheric, the vitality body, right? So it can be quite thin, close to you, or it can be quite vibrant, yeah? What actually get, gives a vibrant health body? Connection and love, yeah? Fun and joy and rest and breathing in, not just breathing out. Yeah? Good food, water, yeah? good play. We've got to learn to observe our children deeply. We've got to learn to observe their skin pallor, their little rosiness, their walk, their tone and pitch of their voice, and we can see if they're etherically good, vital. And if they're not, it's our job to chop up that fruit, to throw that sheet over the dining table with cushions and snuggle in, yeah, to start a new connection game, to put play near. So we actually have to spend a bit of moment observing when we slow down going what do they need I love it I've loved doing that since I've had my daughter I've I was saying this to a friend yesterday you know we were meeting a friend down at the beach and I got down there and I said we were meant to meet at a certain time and I said oh sorry we're late and she goes I know I said you know it it takes a lot longer to walk down to the beach with a toddler because you have to look at everything and I just embrace it and when I need to get home. We walk and it takes us a lot longer to walk home, but it's okay. You know, I don't jam pack my schedule so that I have to rush from one thing to the next. I leave white space for that magic and that spontaneity. I don't like ever rushing her because it doesn't feel good for her and it doesn't feel good for me. No. And uh, they don't get stressed. They don't get adult time. They don't get deadlines. They get, there's a pretty flower on the way. (laughs) You can do a hundred meters in half an hour and it will be profound if you just kind of do it. Um, Yeah. But we have to get out of our heads and sink into our own type of being. Okay. What is one thing that we can do for our wealth? So more abundance in all areas of our life. Wow. We're not talking about physical richness, are we? As in like getting monetary gains. When I wrote Happy Child, Happy Home, I had a saying that I read before I was even married, before children, and the saying went into my being and I went, that's the truth, and my body was a goosebump. And I wrote it as the first saying, a hundred years from now it will not matter what my bank balance was, the sort of house I lived in or the kind of car I drove. But the world may be a different place because I was important in the life of a child, right? So I want you to look at the richness in your life, which is your connections, right? You listen to these nurses that do palliative care and they talk about human beings having the same regrets on their last few days. It's really about connecting. (laughs) Yeah. So 
I want you to look not just at your richness. Of course, it's lovely when we have nice houses and cars, but that isn't actually the true richness in your life. Yeah, The true richness in your life is what we talked about in this podcast and the things that cost no money and don't take that long, but they join two people together in a moment of, yeah, love or connection and that. and I want you to go to bed you know sometimes we have to do the Buddhist meditation of seven pebbles and I've got seven pebbles in my pocket and each time I feel that a little bit of that soul warmth in me yeah I've slowed down I've done that or in that way move the pebble across and um, be thankful I have a little uh the little game from Africa and it's got seed pods and, and little holes and every single morning I move a seed pod over to the other side and I say thank you to something, yeah. And usually it's a person, <laughs> something, a connection. Yeah? Just uh, have a little think about that. Even our partners, we might grunt at them. Let's, feel that, let's hold their body for two seconds and fill them with love. <laughs> beautiful have an expression with it and build your family whether there's two of you whether there's three of you whatever say family family time family dinner family hug because yeah? the richness in life is when we have that third fundamental need whatever the setup you know you could be a single parent you can still make your beautiful rhythms yes and don't be hard on yourself that's a big one don't be hard on yourself but richness Richness in connections. And just please know that it's not about getting it all right. It's not about perfect parenting in any way, shape, or form. I'm not perfect still. It's about being willing to go back, to rejoin, to think what happened, what happened to me, own my own stuff, reconnect. If we cannot go to bed angry at our children and not let them go to bed angry at us, teenagers, that you don't spend much time without recalibrating, going in, going, okay, I was just worried about this, yeah, and just getting a meeting again. That sweet spot of meeting is just so profound. You have to not get it right to get that sweet spot. <laughs> you have a little family habit of making amends. If someone's happy, they're not, we'll make amends, make them happy again. When we keep doing that, you know, then our hearts have a level of peace when we go to sleep. And the last one I had for you is what is something that we can do or one of the most important things we can do for more love in our life? Well, to do these connection games is will expand you, yeah? To having gratitude will expand us. Yeah? It's really interesting because love, people think that love is a word, you know? I love you. But it's actually a verb. It's an action to love, yeah? So if we actually find, again, if we can drop all that distraction and just sink in to our heart space, yeah? If we can just do that and approach someone from that space, our words just sound different, yeah? Our mood, it's not like, I've got to ask Lou, is that right or wrong? Yeah. got to ask. What, what to do there? We've got to somehow trust ourselves a little bit, yeah? So there's a story of the sun and the wind. It's an Aesop's fable we do in class two in the style of curriculum, and they have a bet to take a man's raincoat off, yeah? And so the wind goes, of course I'm going to win, the north wind. Look how powerful I am, and he blows, and the raincoat just gets really tight. 
then the sun just shines and the raincoat comes. And Rudolf Steiner says, approach a child with real love and then go back to the same child and approach them with indifference and then see the power between the two. So if you want me to say, how do you build more love? I want you to actually do the things we've just talked about, which is slow down. See uh, like a sun inside you. Feel a physical warmth inside you, yeah, and just breathe with it and then approach the world like that in little moments and you will get almost tears behind your eyes. So it starts with you and then your actions will, will have that in them. And you don't have to be like that all the time. We're human beings on the duality of earth. But you'll find that that builds with you a little bit, a little bit, a little bit until you feel like it's radiating in you more. So beautiful. I love all of this. It's so inspiring and you are so inspiring. And I want to thank you so much for all of your incredible work, Lou. You are helping so many parents. You're helping so many children. You are inspiring so many all over the world with your work and with how you just show up. So I want to thank you. And I also want to ask, you know, you are serving so many people. How can we give back and serve you today? The fact that I'm able to talk and if I've helped a single person and I do get a lot of emails, I do. And I get a lot of parents come and say, literally you saved my life because they just were in that rut, in that wheel they didn't realize the little thing. So I know that might sound a little bit kind of contrived, but if I've honestly helped one person, then my heart expands. I'm really happy about that. Yeah. I'm sitting here enjoying the conversation and with you and enjoying how the words feel for me because I know how they feel in the body and how they feel in life. So this has not been in any way, shape, draining for me. <laughs> Um, but I have a lot of love in my life and so I'll leave this this now and I'll go and see my beautiful daughter and our puppy and there'll be love there and then my niece will come over and we'll make reindeer biscuits and there'll be love there and then my son will come home and, and my daughter's boyfriend and we'll all share dinner together. So if anything that I've learned in 55 years is to enjoy little moments. Like, and appreciate those really little moments. Did you know what I'm saying? Because our world shapes our children's world. You know, if we enjoy Christmas, they will enjoy Christmas. <laughs> if we enjoy walking down to the beach, yeah, they, they imitate everything to learn how to be a human being. And so I know it's not easy. I know we have adult stress. I'm not saying it's, it is, but the moments we can find our own little mojo and enjoyment with our children around, they will imitate that. Mm, absolutely. What can you do for me? You can, you know, if you want to come and find me on social media, Happy Child, Happy Home, if you want some free tips for me, if you feel inspired to have something, it's not that I particularly need to sell it. It's actually that if you do the ideas and you get smiles and you form bonds, then that's my life. <laughs> that's what I'm passionate about, demystifying it, simplifying it, yeah? making it accessible to everyone. One little idea, one little game, one little I love you hand squeeze. You don't know how profound that actually is in the human life. 
And people do tell me. Well, you are a wealth of knowledge. Thank you so much, Lou, for being here and for sharing all of your wisdom and your free, amazing little games and ideas. I feel so inspired. So thank you so much. And I'll link to all of your amazingness in the show notes. And please don't be hard on yourselves. Everyone goes to bed and thinks about the thing they want to change. Don't think of all the other things. Yeah, It's, it's really, really okay to take a deep breath. I find it really interesting. I know we have to go, but if you want a gem that I've learned about looking after my own being is that emotions, you know, they do come and go, but anger and anxiety aren't really an emotion, you know. They're just smoke on volcanoes. So if I have these moments where the human life's really getting too much, I pause and I go, this is interesting. What is actually underneath this? Yeah. What is actually underneath this? And it's often like a fear, yeah? Anger is actually a fear, you know? Yes, I'm actually fearing this. I'm actually projecting myself into the future thinking all this is going to happen because of this, yeah? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So actually delve that a little bit into yourself and then you can kind of talk to yourself and, and say, oh no, yeah? And try to come back into that moment back into opening our eyes with the little bits of gratitude everywhere and it slowly builds slowly 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 builds I know just felt like saying that that's so beautiful thank you Lou this has been amazing you are amazing you're such an inspiration to me so thank you for all of the work and thank you for sharing with us today I'm so grateful well I hope it helped just a single soul out there then it's my joy and thank you for all you do and inviting me Thank you so much. We could talk all day now, but we can't. We've got to do other things. We do. All right. Thank you so much. No worries. I feel so inspired to take some of her little tips and ideas and tricks into our home and just make it even more fun and playful and magical. And when I think about, you know, Bambi in her 20s and what she says when people say, what was your childhood like? I want her to go. It was so magical. It was so full of love and play. My parents were so fun and playful. They brought so much joy and magic to our home. You know, these are the things that I want her to say. So what do you want your children to say when they're in their 20s and they get asked, what was your childhood like? What do you want them to say? Write it down and then make sure that you are doing those things every single day. And remember that this isn't about being the perfect parent. This isn't about beating yourself up. This is about just doing our best always. So I hope you loved this conversation. And if you did, please subscribe to the show and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that all of my episodes will pop up in your feed so that you don't have to go searching for a new episode. And please come and tell me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini what you got from this episode. I absolutely love hearing your biggest key takeaways. So come and tell me. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You rock. You are amazing. And on behalf of your children and your future children, you are incredible. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, 
If there is someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right away. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.